so I I watched you on our, our mutual friend James Proton's podcast. Uh, I got uh, you know because I did my homework once in a while. You know, people think I just do this for a hobby, which is true, but I actually pay attention. I know you do. So um, we'll definitely get into your story a little bit here, but I don't want to just rehash that again. I really want to have a conversation with you too. You're up for that, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so how many podcasts have you done before? This is probably only my fourth, so I'm that's kind of a newbie. I'm a newbie. That's more than most folks. Yeah. So the other two, were they like panel shows, or was it one-on-one? It was one-on-one. Okay. And again, talking usually about my business or something very easy for me to talk about. So this is kind of unique. It's new. All right, it's let me great. ask you this question. So you yes. meet someone in an elevator, you know the dreaded elevator pitch. Yeah. You got... You have maybe 33 seconds. What do you say? For on me, the spot? Yeah. my whole thing when I meet somebody new is I try to get five questions in before I tell them a thing about myself. That's adventurous. So, and I try to come up with engaging questions. <laughs> okay. Not just, hey, the weather, blah, 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 blah. Okay, okay. I'm going to make a comment about something personal to them, you know, if we're at a networking event or if they're on what an if elevator. they're in the elevator? Yeah. Do you work in this building? Okay, one. Of Good. course, they're going to say yes. Where do you work? Unless it's a doctor's office and they're coming for a visit. That's true. That would be too could personal. Be. Too personal there. No, 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 that could work. That could work, though. Okay, number two. What else would you think of? Then I'd say maybe if they did launch into something, they did work in that. Well, how long have you been in that industry? What got you interested in that industry? Okay. Industry? You know, so I'm going to kind of probe if okay. they offer anything. But a lot of times on an elevator, who's talking? We're not talking. Even me, I'm not talking. <laughs> Like, when's this damn thing going to get to my floor? It is an awkward situation, elevator. It can be. It can yeah, be. Yeah, it kind of is, I think. Now that I think about it, I don't think I ever had an elevator pitch. No, it's not where I'm pitching. And I think that's the thing is when you're engaged with people, okay, they will like you if you're interested in them. And so it's rule. not like I'm out there trying to say, okay, everybody needs to like me. <laughs> but what I think it is, is a core value of mine is to make people feel important okay. or valued. Okay. And to me, if you approach someone and you're more interested in them, that sets a precedent that you're not there. And I could even have those five questions, have them answered and walk away and they'll say, well, who was she? What does she do? It just makes you different. It does. It's a good mantra for podcasting too. Make it about the guests. Yeah. And all of us that do it, you know, we all struggle initially, like because we all want to talk. That's what we do. We talk. Yeah. And after you realize that, hey, it's much more interesting if you make it about the guests. And I think that's a good lesson for life, right? It you is. Make it about the other person, and you always will win. It may take a while, if whatever win means, but things. Think always good things will happen to you if you make it always about somebody else first. It's a good mantra. It's a great mantra, and it's one of the things that I think I'm super passionate about. Um, you know, even in some of the business things I've done, I've gone into some very difficult, challenging areas like the south side of Chicago, I would sell, Gary, Indiana, areas where no other agents would go. And my point in doing that would be those people are people too. Mm -hmm. There are so many agents who, you know, they're not going to go there. Mm hmm. My opinion was, if I go in there and I treat them with the same respect as the person living in the mansion, their loyalty is lifelong. Mm -hmm. I still have clients because of that. And often you go into those situations, but you're valuing them and you're giving them the same quality of care or service or whatever that you're giving the high-end person. To me, that's something that 
is missing in this world because you can't get anything from them. You know, it isn't an exchange. You are literally going in there to serve. And mm -hmm. it's a whole different approach to life. It is. It's much different. And it is um, requires a lot of humility as a person, which I think this world's lacking a lot of. We can talk about that. But the idea of service. So you're in a service industry, right? And from the what I do know of you, um, you're very passionate about serving others uh, in all walks of your life. At what point in your, I would say, adult life, maybe your young adult life, what led you to that vocational uh, style, that vocational area of service? Well, it's interesting because I grew up in the, you know, broken home, mm -hmm. divorced parents. My mom was a single mom trying to make it work. And this was this was in the not so easy days for that. There weren't a lot of programs for her. But my mom would always, and I think about it today and I'm horrified because I have four kids, three daughters. Mm -hmm. She would, on Christmas and Thanksgiving and all these holidays, would invite anyone and everyone the people that just got out of jail, the drug addicts, the wow. alcoholics, they were at my house. Oh, right on. Hanging out and she was serving them food and loving them and I'm now that I look back, I think the risk. <laughs> I don't know what we were thinking of that. How <laughs> she was thinking at that time. The world might have been a little bit of a kinder place then too. But she was very she didn't have much. Mm -hmm. But again, that's where it kind of came to the value of I valued people. And one of the things you know, even in my life, it's never been us four and no more. It is the least satisfying way to live. It's mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm gonna hoard everything, you know, put it, put new cabinets in, and my cabinets are five years old or 10 years old. Why? You're putting dishes in those cabinets. Mm -hmm. So to me, the joy in having or doing or whatever is being able to give and serve and give back. So that, that four walls and we're, you know, we're just gonna pile everything in our, our wheelhouse and we're never gonna serve anyone those are the most disgruntled dissatisfied uh people who have uh, quite honestly often they're anxious they're depressed they have all these issues because they're living in this small little world they haven't figured okay. out the point of us being able to to live bigger bigger than us so some essays I've I've read over the years have kind of pointed to like the late 70s or maybe the early 80s as being this really um, the start of really intense commercialism in this country where we're just consuming like crazy and possessing. Yeah. Right. So I don't know if that's right or not. That's let's just assume for sake of argument that that's kind of where it started. It's not slow. It, there hasn't been a change at all. You know, and, and people say, oh, people value life more today than they ever did. Well, you also have Amazon delivering packages to your house every <laughs> single day. And we're all guilty. We're all but guilty. But it's like, we're, it's kind of baked in the society to consume and possess. Would you not agree? I would totally agree. But yet it's so vacant. I mean, how many times, and I, you know, I've had the nice cars, I've had the BMWs, and the, you know, and the minute you get that car, it's great. The minute you drive it down the street, get a scratch on it's like no i don't want it anymore <laughs> it's damaged mm -hmm. so you oh, realize yeah, this is chasing your tail chasing your tail chasing your tail it's the new this the new that consumerism is i think the most hollow of holes mm -hmm. but and people have preached on that like ideas of uh besides religion but just in society preached on hey we it's a, it's a focus thing we're focusing on acquisition 
trying to fill something in here. That's right. I would think. And it's like, but this has been going on for a long time. And well before the 70s, I'm sure there was always that vacancy there. But I, I, outside of a seismic societal event, like what's going to change that? Like a, a depression? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we don't want that. But I'm saying what, what could possibly slow it down? Right. It's something. We have those moments. You know, we had the 9-11 mm-hmm. where you felt like for a moment life paused and the things that were supposed to be important were important. Right. It felt that way for a couple months. Or for a month. Yeah. Maybe. Until the politicians started arguing, the two parties started arguing <laughs> again about something, about something stupid. And you're like, oh, back to normal, I guess. Or the war started and people take sides. Exactly. Exactly. So, okay. How about a moment was 2020? It's something more recent. So talk to me about 2020. Um, whatever you want to share. Like, like, what did life look like for you? What was your uncertainty with 2020? was interesting because, of course, I'm watching it unfold. Um, and I kind of have a philosophy about a lot of this, uh, you know, where things are and how they get blown up. And I always say this. We can say this in Pittsburgh all day long. The minute they say snowflake, there's no bread, there's no milk. We love. That might be happening tonight. I hear a there's crisis. a crisis. I know. On the way. <laughs> <laughs> Time this filming, I think there's a snowstorm on the way. It's coming. It's coming. But we love a crisis. We love that emotional, you know, kind of uh, raging. To Interesting. me. Interesting. When we were in that situation, we spent, my company spent two weeks working from home. And I was like, we're going back to the office. We went back to the office. Now, we have the ability, we all have separate offices, so there, you know, even if that was an issue. But we were gonna go where we were gonna function best. And it was the greatest year of growth for our business because what we were benefiting on was unfortunately a lot of people's demise. They were losing their jobs, they needed health insurance, or they were retiring early. I had tons of doctors who just didn't wanna be in the system anymore. They didn't wanna figure out how to navigate through this new crisis, so they retired. So our business was busier than ever. Um, So the uncertainty was more about what was going to be the final like again, with people losing jobs, and I knew with all of the subsidies that were going out, there was no way this was not sustainable. I mean, we're running already an economy that is fragile at best, mm-hmm. and we're going to throw that in there. And I just kind of was waiting for the other shoe to drop, hmm. which was, you know, mm-hmm. and and we dealt with a lot of emotion on our side because the certainty that people thought they had was gone. And we were hearing those stories every day. You said earlier before we got on the podcast how challenging it can be mm-hmm. to be with people all the time, every day, every day. And, you know, I'm hearing that every day. The the constant, um, you know, fear and the anxiety and the what ifs. It's It was devastating. Well, you deal in a what if business. Insurance is 100%. the ultimate what if. It's, it a, it's a hedge against it. Right. So. Right. What about you personally? Like, what was your personal thoughts? Let's say, I don't know, like, I guess it kind of happened on March 17th mm-hmm. and they shut us down the next day or right around that time frame. Did it feel like this was really going to happen to you or did you still in a state of disbelief? When did you know we're in uncharted territory? I think probably pretty close to the beginning because I've always had a little bit of a you know, a philosophy that there are things happening behind the doors that, you know, are meant for either more control or more economic, whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I know that the, the you know, the levers are being pulled sure. all the time. We're kind of puppets in the system in some ways. Mm-hmm. And I know that. 
um, or at least that's my belief. So when I was watching it unfold, I am a person, which actually somebody was asked about me, what is Lynn afraid of? And they literally looked off into space and went, nothing. And it's not that I'm not, but I have a very core belief in my creator. I'm very Mm. solid in that. Mm. I've been through a lot of trials, challenges, absolutely, you know, horrifying things in my life. Mm -hmm. I mean, we could do an episode of Cops and a whole bunch of things around what has occurred in my immediate we get periphery. Time. <laughs> <laughs> that may not want to be something said, but but that being said, I feel like I have a steel core. So whatever it was I was watching, I was listening, but I wasn't believing a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah, I still don't believe a lot of what what yeah. happened. I, I mean, I, I don't want to contest it. No. I don't make a you know I don't make a habit of coming on and saying I know what happened. That wasn't nope. right. I the, the thing is I don't know what happened. Right. I just don't have this overall sense that we were being told everything that was reality. That's kind of where I think that's how I dealt with it. My biggest beef, I think, with with so much of this is just tell me the truth. Let me manage the truth mm-hmm. they don't know the truth i think though. they don't and i know that they was should have told us that right exactly you know just tell me the truth that you don't know let me deal with the reality novel of idea for a politician <laughs> actually admit that they don't know i i just don't wouldn't that be amazing it would be amazing it come would on be amazing. The, the governor would have said you know like we just right we now just don't we know. just don't know even the president we just don't know right instead of having to feel like they have to have the immediate solution when they didn't know no and i think they've to some degree fear the mass panic or the mass whatever but i'm a grown adult you know just tell me the truth and i'll manage it yeah they didn't give us enough credit i will manage it Mm -hmm. i didn't think it was great i had covid twice i thought i was going to die the first time it was not good Mm -hmm. you know so don't doubt that it exists and it was out there and there were people that you know sure but i think uh you know like my opinion of course is that it was not managed very well especially with the lines of what we were given, uh, whether it was information or direction or whatever, it was just too chaotic mm-hmm. for me to believe it was consistent and real. Yeah. So, How did you manage the workplace for your folks? I mean, um, so you've got, what, approximately about nine, 10 folks? Yeah, we have about 19 on the team. Um, so they're not all in Pennsylvania. Uh, so we have like- How many so, like in your office, would you say on a daily basis? Typically right? about nine, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So was there distancing things? Was there mandates that you had, that you were given? The other thing, back to our first point, I value people. I let everybody make their own personal choice. You know, So if you want to come in the office and you want to work, that's great. You want to work remote, I'll make sure that happens as well. You want to wear a mask, you don't want to wear a mask. You want to meet people in person, you want to do everything virtual. To this day, I still honor that. I mean, okay. you come into our office, there's masks available. So yeah. we will we will wear a mask, you can wear a mask, whatever. We're going to honor people. Um, but I do want to give freedom because I think people make good choices for themselves. Mm-hmm. When you legislate, that's when you usually get some kind of pushback or questioning or it creates an environment of suspicion. And I don't right. love that. Right. I really like people to be informed and feel good about their decisions. That's what I love. Yeah. It's, it's a great way to run business, but our government never seems to run that way. 
You yeah. know, and this has been Rocco and I, uh, Rocco Cozen, our mutual friend, we've talked multiple times about how it would have been wonderful if a politician would have just said, hey, we just not really sure. Bear with us. We're working on it or just not give us like absolutes like this vaccine is going to cure people or this, you know, just wait till the vaccine comes. I mean, they were always kind of like either kicking the can down the road uh, and then not being able to achieve the, the stated goal or misleading it just wasn't and again i want to give people the benefit of the doubt i don't think anybody was intentionally no. leading anybody but it's like it just it wasn't the right messaging and no. as a business person i mean the business community kind of got it the governmental couldn't because they don't operate the same way right you know they were going to I mean? get kind of continuity of coverage and of they course. weren't going to lose their paychecks and you know uh-huh. here i'm looking at restaurant owners and you know right. i had a dear friend right. who I thought was brilliant in the middle of it all. She went to many of the establishments and bought gift cards and then gave them to other people that were out of work. And I thought that's brilliant because you're supporting Mm -hmm. with one purchase. You're supporting two people. Mm -hmm. How brilliant was that? For sure. For sure. I love creative things like that to keep people a lot, you know, afloat during that time. Yeah. yeah. I figured, you know, if there was ever a time that people want to talk and get things off their chest and hear other pers- you know, um, perceptions of or perspectives, that was the time. Yeah. And I think that the reason the, this podcast kept rolling along got legs was because of the pandemic. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. People were looking for what are the conversations out there? You know, what are the people talking about? And that's where it became very real. And, you know, we talked about that again, is just having those real mm-hmm. face-to-face conversations. Mm-hmm. I want to sit down with you. I want to talk to you. I love social media. Mm-hmm. Some people hate it. I love it. Mm-hmm. Well, you've done well with it, too. I think it's a great tool. It's I can tool. keep up with friends all over the world. Yes. I, you know, it's great. Yes. But I also want to sit down and have a coffee with you. And I want to talk about this. And I want to, you know, give you a hug. And I want to, you know, that's who I am. Because that's where the real stuff occurs. That's where they're going to get deep with you. That's what they're going to tell you about this. Why does most society not get that today? Because it's so much more comforting to just be liked you know to just be perfect in every scenario you get to photoshop your pictures and you know present this perfect life when you sit down with somebody and i sat with someone today absolutely shocking um you know just a a friend who i found out his 27 year old son is uh struggling with massive uh psychological issues okay who cannot be left alone i had no idea this man was struggling with that. Would he have told me that on a phone call? Or mm. would I have ever gotten that from social mm. media? He wasn't going to put that out there. Of course not. Because it's so personal and it's so um, deeply yes. held, you know? Yes. Yeah. So that makes, to me, it's that face to face where you feel safe. Okay. It's a okay. safe place for people and you don't have to pretend. And people, I believe, prefer that over what we see. I mean, I am so, you know, scrolling through Instagram, I was like, you know, these women, I mean, I'm fat, <laughs> I'm old, I'm, I don't have enough money, and I should have married a rich NFL player. I'm not sure, but I did it all wrong. <laughs> well, okay, so that one of the, the, the topics I wanted to talk with you tonight was because you've had a lot of success with social media, and I do have a good core of friends who who really, you know, have had good social media success. I've had some success with the guitars, with with, with real estate. I get it. I mean, I, I adopted the, the internet early in 95 to grow a business. I get the whole virtual thing. 
But let me ask you this. As we sit here in 2023, have we reached the point where we really have two realities? Absolutely. hundred percent. Because I didn't think that maybe six, seven, eight years ago. Because I asked this question of myself a lot. But I think now I'm at the point where I think we are actually generally have two realities. Right. And if you really step back from that question and just look at it from afar, that is frightening. It's terrifying because who is your neighbor at that point? Do you even really know them? Mm-hmm. One of the biggest compliments I ever got, I'll pat myself on the back. <laughs> well, I'll do that around here. Was one of my staff members. I don't usually boast, but I'm just saying one of the biggest compliments is she had been working for me, I don't know, quite a while. And she came in, she goes, you know, she goes, I used to see you on social media. She goes, there's no way she could be that happy all the time. And you are. <laughs> <laughs> so it matches. Yeah. It matches. You have yeah. to be authentic. And yeah, I tried. It's That's not... so important to me. That is so <sighs> important to me. I uh, and, and I guess none of us are purely authentic, right? But I do think that you your online persona should match or closely match who you actually are. And, and you say that, and I, I said it a lot, but it goes, it, people hear it and they go, oh yeah. But no one really internalized that. It's painful to internalize that, that to examine oneself that way. Well, we all like likes. Uh-huh. I mean, you know. Well, it's a currency. Exactly. It's like, look, my post got you know, some notice or whatever, or so-and-so commented on it. Well, if you're using it as a tool, it's very important. It's very important. But I remember one time I was, I don't know, grumbling. I do that once in a while. (laughs) I'm working a million hours a week. I've been doing it all my life. I've never had a break. Uh, Somebody asked me, I was having a phone conversation on the way here. When's the last time you had a vacation? I was like, huh. Probably should have one of those. I just don't. Hey, where do you buy those at? <laughs> but, you know, I don't, I even say to my people that are around me, don't work like me. It's my choice. Right. I love to be right. productive. Absolutely. But Absolutely. my son said to me, because I was grumbling one day, I was like, this girl, she's beautiful. She didn't work. And, you know, her husband pays for everything. And I'm out here just, you know, grinding away. And he said, Mom, he goes, you're a producer. You wouldn't be happy there. And I went, mm. That's probably right. Straight truth. Yeah, and, and and that leads to another aspect of conversation where I think a lot of people are running around. I believe this, right? That because this is what I observe, and based on conversations I've had, this is what I believe. People are running around with an, a really, um, a not real clear idea of who they actually are. What they like, what they don't like, what they dig, what they don't dig, just who they like, who they don't like, philosophy. I don't think there's a lot of deep thinking going on anymore because this kind of sit down face to face conversation is not part of our day. We before the web or before even before social media, we would go to a coffee shop, try to go into a Starbucks outside of maybe the core business hours. Let's say early in the morning or late in the afternoon or the early evening, nobody's in there. Everybody's getting things and going. No right. one sits and talks to each other anymore. Right. Well. And what are we missing when we do that? You know, we have this very, we got to have, and we talked about it, the perfected, even the music now. 
Mm. I love that organic walk into a bar, hear a great band or, you know, hear the singer that you've heard a hundred times. Make a mistake. Hit a bad note. That's music. That's what you want to hear. You want to hear the gritty. You want to hear the real. Because it's real. Please don't fix it. I don't need perfect. Mm -hmm. I need authentic. Mm -hmm. And even uh, my daughter and I were talking the other day. I said... You know, and please, oh, my girlfriends, oh, God bless them all. You can do all the surgery you want. You can do all the Botox, whatever it is. But everybody looks the same. Nobody looks different anymore. Do you remember Lauren Hutton? Yeah, actress, right? Oh, and she had a space between her teeth. Yeah. that They would have fixed that today, right? Yeah, she was but, like, wasn't she like a makeup uh, yeah, advertiser? She spa, was. Model, right? Yeah, model, right. Yeah. And yeah. I thought the beauty in us is our difference even our value is our 100%. difference you know your value is a realtor yep. your value is uh, yep. being part of the music it was your difference that made you valuable not your ability to be the same as everybody else yes yeah, so are differences celebrated anymore and if they are they're celebrated in a different way possibly maybe what it is <laughs> is the differences that we're celebrating are not the things that are what I would consider to be the key or the core to that person. In other words, mm-hmm. you know, we create differences so that all of a sudden we're on board with this new identity, whatever it is. And I do think that that has, in some ways, really, uh, for lack of a better term, perverted what is real and authentic. I don't think that certain things have to be the big difference. I'm I'm thinking more of like the the perfectly curated Instagrams or the perfectly curated social medias where everybody is perfect and everybody, you know, and all the moms look like they just came out of a salon and they have 14 kids and, you know, then they're complaining about, you know, and it's just like, this isn't real. Mm-hmm. This is not right. I raised four kids. Mm-hmm. I know what this is. Yes. So to me to say, well, I'm different now, but then you're different like everybody else is different because that's the difference that's cool today. Don't yes. be different to be cool. Be different because you're who you are. Yeah, that uniqueness. And I, I, I've said this a couple of times too, like, and I only have a frame of reference of what I went through naturally. It, it, we made a good living with guitars by creating uniqueness, specialness, because we thought Americans love custom things that others don't have. We like to brag. That's what I believed in the 90s and the 2000s and all the years I was creating unique products. I saw the joy it brought people. And I have watched society and it's like, you know, I think we like custom stuff. You know, we like to show off, you know, our uniqueness. We like that as humans. I believe that. Yet, at the same time, what's causing a lot of our problems now is we're so quick to join a team. We're so quick to conform in many other ways in our lives. So we have this like this diverse thing where we crave uniqueness, look at me, but we really kind of don't in a lot of ways. We're always looking to fit in. Like I, It's a very puzzling optics for me. And I might not even be articulating it right, but no, it just seems like... 
what what are we really are we really happy with our uniqueness and we do do we seek creativity and uniqueness and do we seek that or do we really feel more comfortable just fitting in and go team and you know i I don't know it's a really weird it's a really weird dichotomy i guess dichotomy yeah puzzling for me anyway yeah and i've had people explain to me that it's actually both he's explaining how it is this way and also this way but to me it's like there should be an underlying flaw what is your underlying philosophy do you seek uniqueness are you comfortable with it do you relish it or are you really more toward conforming and being comfortable in a team circumstance no right or wrong just i wonder what we're doing out there now that is very descriptive and i think that that nails it no that (laughs) nails it i mean that is when you say puzzling optics or you say dichotomy Mm -hmm. very unique perspective on that because i think think, too much no but i think if you're really raw and authentic and honest with yourself you don't need to be talking about who you are um and again i had a conversation uh, today about who I am and I'm a real oddball like I grew up in a single parent home when there weren't single parent homes mm-hmm. I didn't go to college mm-hmm. got my insurance license in 1985 been doing this for 37 years mm-hmm. it's crazy who who sells insurance then I think about then I ended up in Bible college which I didn't even finish but it was you know part of my life and I was very involved in ministry for many years I raised four kids I've moved 14 times to 15 times, two states, or five states, I'm sorry. So I've been all over all these weird experiences, and yet running a business today for 10 years, I rely, and I said I crave male leadership. I have males in my life to temper my emotions, because as strong of a woman as I am, I'm a woman, and I do have emotions, and I don't want to make emotional decisions. Mm -hmm. So I lean on that kind of, you know, black and white, you know, tell me the story. Sure. Who do I need to fire? Who do I need? You know, and it's happened. I've had to fire seven people in the last two years. I don't like it. I hate it because my emotion is like, oh, I want to be nice to everybody and I want everybody Mm -hmm. to like me. And when you fire them, they don't like you. I'm just Sometimes you're doing them a big favor, though. I know. know? I know. You just got to get them to understand that. (laughs) But that's where I rely on that male leadership. And I do feel bad that, um, you know, I'm not going to join the cause of women business owners and we can do it all and I'm in it. No, I'm not. I am relying on so many people Mm -hmm. to make good and proper decisions for my life, uh, for my faith, for my family, for whatever. I I, I don't do this alone. We separate each other. We're separating ourselves from others to join a club or to join other like-minded or sometimes it's not even like-minded. It's just genetically identical people for the sake of probably reasons that you don't even sit and think about. We're just used to doing it. And I'm not just, I'm not sure that serves humanity. I mean, I I just don't know why we're so quick to think that, um, you know, we're all, you always have to be part of a passionate fight for your rights thing for the sake of just doing it. Sometimes step back. Is it really serving your soul? Is it serving where you want to go with your life? And if it's not, be brave enough to step back from it and go another path. But right. people don't do it. Right. It's unbelievable. <laughs> that's that's powerful. Yeah, I think the uh, the curiosity is kind of where I land. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I don't have it all figured out. I certainly don't have all the answers. I'm mm-hmm. learning every single day. I'm passionately curious, just curious. Yeah. I mean, I watch the Smithsonian Channel and the yeah. History Channel. and We're just know. getting older. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I hear. That's what it is, you know. And so, but I look at that and I think I'm constantly learning. But when you kind of, you know, encapsulate this is, you know, this is a, uh, a structured piece of whatever information. I'm never going to change it. You know, I'm not moldable. I'm not learning because I've changed. You yeah. know, I used to be extremely, um, probably harsh, even raising my kids. I think, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, sorry, kids. I love you all so much. <laughs> but yeah, I was a rough mom. You're allowed to evolve. I was a rough mom. And now they're like, you have changed. Well, yes. That's what we're supposed to be doing. I believe so, Because I've too. learned more, and I I've learned so what the important too. things are. Shame on us if we don't learn from our experiences, right? And, and I think sometimes the virtual world stifles that because it's not giving us an accurate representative of what our reality is. Because everything is really happening out here, friends. This this is a raw table. Like yes. Two human beings here. This is the real world. It's not in that screen. And if you ignore the real world long enough, you're going to pay a price for it. And that's that's where I'm afraid. If we're bringing up generations that are valuing this virtual world equal, which is even horrifying, or even more than they value their physical world. So how do we change that? You know, what what is the key? I don't think we can. To moving the needle on that. It's moving too fast. It's our kids and their children. It's just going to continue. And the more they validate the virtual world, I think that's going to become the dominant reality. And I don't know how that looks or how that, I don't know, I don't know what that looks like because it's kind of hard for us to conceptualize, but I don't think it's too far off. I mean, with virtual glasses and, you know, all these virtual currencies. And if you think about it, you know, it's kind of frightening. It's concerning for the the humans in what it's going to mean to be human. Oh, you know, I feel such a burden for our younger people, whether they're, you know, six or 26. They're in some surreal world Mm -hmm. trying to compete. Mm-hmm. against and I just and yet you look at you know the rates of and, and I know this because of my business you know how many people are the dealing actual with data, yeah, yeah the stat the the statistics on suicides or attempted suicides or drug abuse or drug overdose or you know they're medicated so they can function in a high school not that it was unheard of in our day but it it really wasn't a part of our world right, right. so it's not and I don't fault anybody if it's helping you by mm-hmm. all means, you know, do do the medication, do the counseling, do the whatever. But my concern is, is again, we're we're pouring things into an empty bucket, and it'll never be filled because it's got a big hole in the bottom. Right. There's nothing substantial, so I keep wanting to pull people into real relationships mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm no expert, but I do know that connection makes all the difference in whether you make it or not. There have been some horrific years in my life. The last two have not been great. If I were not connected, and it's funny because I call it being accountable. I know Rocco mm-hmm. talked about it being disciplined, mm-hmm. you know, because that's going to last longer than passion. But if I don't show up at my office, my staff's not going to get paid, you know. So right. there's an accountability that Certainly. I forced myself into. But those connections have made me uh, 
you know, at least recognize my value or my purpose beyond what I'm getting out of it. So how do we get kids into that role of some level of, of accountability where there's a connection and it's a real connection. It's not an Instagram or it's not a Facebook or it's not, it's a real connection, a real person. Yeah. It's almost like a, it's almost like a, a, you hate to use this word, but I can't think of another word. It's almost like a war between vocations that require as part of their job description, physical interaction with people and those that are purely on the virtual side, because that's kind of where the line is. Right. And there's some jobs that have a little bit of both naturally, but, but if you, if you go down a vocation that requires you to sit at a cube or worse yet, sit in your house by yourself for eight hours a day, I can't think long term that's a good, healthy way to live. I had a senior, Gwen was a senior at Moon High School during the pandemic year, and my son was uh, in college. I was very fortunate I didn't have young ones because I don't know what I would have done on the schooling front. You know, I couldn't, oh. I, I, I sent my hat to anyone that went through that. But my watching my children not be permitted to go be around their friends or interact, especially my daughter, like you could see there was just, they already were uneasy because they don't know what to believe is going on with their society. They think our generation's out of our flipping minds. We're the one doing all this shit. They just, that lack of socialization hurt them. You could see it. That actually made me feel good because that showed me they value it, right? Right. They're not lost yet. Right. But I think we're headed down. The, the, the more we're not in the same room together, the more we spend time away, the more we think that a video call equates being to, is the same as being together. No. That's wrong. Right. Well, it was palpable for you because you're looking at, you know, your daughter sitting at home mm-hmm. trying to do school, not being able to see her friends. And it may be small interactions at school, but it's interactions. You know, there are the friends she sees every day or the friends she eats lunch with or whatever. That gone, you noticed it yeah. in all of our youth. Yeah, there was sure. absolute change. And then you think, what social skills are they going to have? They walk into a room, they're extremely uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. They can't make conversation with anyone. Mm-hmm. Because they're used to being behind a screen or they're used to interacting through text. Yeah. And there isn't any ability. But I think the beauty is, and you mentioned this when we were talking about politics, I've ratted myself out. Like my dirt's out there. Mm-hmm. You want to look for it? You can find mm-hmm. it or I'll even tell you. Mm-hmm. The beauty to that is once it's out there, what do people have against you? Once you yeah. know my flaws, my mm-hmm. sins, my failures, mm-hmm. my messes. Well, it's powerful, actually. It's powerful. Yeah, and then sure. I can say to you, yeah, I did that. And it was horrible. And there was right. bad consequences. Right. But today, I'm looking at it, and now I know better. And I hope to help others avoid that mm-hmm. trap. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's empowering. And it also is what I believe to be the big connector, which is, oh, they're not perfect. You know, because people will look at me and... You know, say, oh, she's got it all together. <laughs> if you only knew. Yeah. yeah. If you only knew that's, what went well, on. That's the lie of accomplishment. When oh, you're an accomplished person, the optics coming into you, the perceptions are usually wrong. Right. Right. 100%. You know? And we do we do that with fame. We do that with business notoriety. We do that with social, new media, notoriety, whatever. It's just the optics are seldom accurate. You know? And how many of those people that are kind of on the top of the pile, how many are happy? 
How many are genuinely content? And I believe it's, it's a rat race. It just keeps it going. It's like a churning gerbil wheel. Yeah. It just keeps going. Whatever it is, you don't have it. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. It, it, it's really. You don't have it or you don't have enough of it or you have too much of it. Whatever it is. Yeah. Mur- it's um, so I'm gonna in ask the pursuit you. of happiness, I think. We're all trying to pursue right. happiness. Absolutely. That's the goal. But how much the money weighs into it is different from person to person. Well, I think money's a great tool, and I've always said that. I have no problem with money, even though I have a core faith, and I know people will disagree with me. Get all the money you can. Of course. Because somebody else can use it if you can't. I mean, there's always a good purpose for money. Money only reveals who you really are. Bingo. It does not change a person. It only, yeah, exactly. It only reveals who you are. So um, I'm good with that. Uh, But when I think about, you know, the relations of, Whatever it is, whether it's family or friends, think about the best times. And I want you to give me one. Mm -hmm. Think about the best times you've had, you know, whether it was just gut wrenching laughter or Mm -hmm. you're just none of it had to do with money. No, not a one time. The times you felt most fulfilled around a kitchen table or around, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. They're always conversational based. For me, it was Mm -hmm. always some amazing, usually funny conversation I've had, which involved maybe uh, a Diet Coke or maybe a meal or something. It was never about money. You got to give me one. Give, see if, if you can oh remember one. God. I'm sure there's many. I mean, I'm sitting in a room of, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> History I, here. Usually it was, uh, I don't know, go to Chicago and, and uh, see some musicians or some of the people that made the guitars and we would go out and... and um, it was exciting to see them so we were, all, we were already amped up but just to hear the stories about about all the mess that went on trying to create these guitars and get them done by deadline and just the funny stories. But like I said, what did it cost me? That, that we bought some pizzas that night. It was never about my, it was about the human interaction. Those are the memories and they're all conversational based. I think most people would probably admit that if they sat and thought about it. It wasn't the new car that they got and gave them a feeling for, you know, a month and a half or the trinket, you know, a piece of jewelry or whatever. It's not. But how do we teach kids that that's the way it is? How do you explain to a young person that, because all they do is obsess about stuff. They want. Mm-hmm. They obsess about the pair of shoes they want. They obsess about, we did it. We obsess right. about what we want. Right. And then when you get it, there's that emotional letdown. Yes. How do you stave off that? How do we stop that process when they're young? That is know. probably... The challenging question, I think you create opportunities for them to have those interactions. Um, We just, my family, as I raised my kids, we never had TV on when we watched or when we ate dinner. I cooked every single night of their lives. Mm -hmm. You know, I was a breakfast, lunch, dinner mom. I worked, but um, that was invaluable. And to this day, when my family is together, there's almost never a TV on. We are... Engaged, and I always warn people: That's like, very don't, healthy. don't come for Thanksgiving. We are not going to be talking about turkey and stuffing. I mean, we're going to be like, is it a flat Earth? Is it you know <laughs> conspiracy theories? Like my kids go deep quick. You should film, and there's you all... should film those. It's great. <laughs> well, I just have to warn people that are coming as guests. I'm like, this is not your average conversation, but I've trained them That's for great, that. Though, right? Absolutely, because we're making each other better. But that connection too, because there's disagreements. There's no this is this way and this is this way. But I think there's no safe place for these. These kids feel like if they show a flaw or they don't 
pull the party line, so to speak, mm-hmm. they're going to be rejected. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing worse than being rejected, but they're not even connected. So yeah. I'm like, try to connect because you will get some people to reject you. There's people in my life that have, you know, pulled themselves away. Yeah. But the ones that are there are connected. It right. isn't, you know. How often do you think about or have you thought deeply about personal philosophy? Like, like because I believe if I asked you, I put you on a spot, we're not going to do this. But if I put you on a spot without even showing me and I said, hey, like in two paragraphs, can you write your personal philosophy? I'm betting you can. I absolutely But I can. will tell you, a lot of people, I would venture to say most people, and it's a guess, most people, they look at you like they don't know what you're talking about, personal philosophy. But number two, if they do get it, they haven't thought much about it. And I don't think a lot of people can articulate it. They can say, well, I'm a Republican, I'm a conservative, or I'm a liberal thinking person. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. What is your personal philosophy? Why do you get up in the morning? And why do you do the things you do? And what do you hope to accomplish with your interactions with other people? Like, it really isn't hard. My point is, I don't think a lot of people think about it. That's the point. Quiet. Most people don't know. Well, how do you, you know, how do you tick? And, you know, you have so much energy and you do mm-hmm. so much, you accomplish. Mm-hmm. I am up at 4, 4.30. I'm not leaving my house typically till 8 or 8.30. Right. What do you think I'm doing? I'm quiet. I'm listening. I'm doing the gym rounds. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm listening to podcasts. I'm, I'm literally sitting in silence yeah that's your time i have to get my head right right but if you never drive deep to that you know because there's days i wake up more than i probably want to admit i don't want to go to work i don't want to do anything today i'm frustrated i'm depressed the world's a mess Of course. you know i don't have enough time i don't have enough money whatever it is Mm. but i will work through that because i am committed to connecting with people right. and I'm going to show up at right. my office at nine o'clock and I'm going to be there. Right. Um, but it's the quiet. People are not quiet. They are on their devices. They're in front of a TV. They're listening. There's times and people are shocked because I'm, you know, I'm not a musician, musician, but you know, mm-hmm. I play and sing in my church and mm-hmm. I've got kids that are musicians. My son's on tour right now. Like mm-hmm. we got the whole thing. I don't listen to music in my car. People are like, why don't yeah. you? I'm like, it crowds my thinking. Mm-hmm. I cannot do it. I'm either in silence or I'm listening to a podcast. The only reason you know that is because you thought about it. You've reflected upon that. See, that's, and that's the, and it's hard for me to articulate exactly what I'm talking about, but what I'm generally suggesting here is that people don't think about thinking. They don't think about their lives. They don't look inward, maybe because it's painful, because it's painful for all of us. If you really are self-examining, wouldn't you agree? It's kind of painful all the time. Excruciating. But if you avoid looking inward, which it's very possible to do and survive in this world without doing that, I guess. But you're not grounded. But I, I sense that in you because you've taken that time. You've taken that deep dive. And I guess. It's not it's hard, like, though. Well, it's. I think it's a personal choice, and it does take some effort. It, um, yes, it does take effort. You know, I'm effort. walking a friend through a really it takes effort. ugly situation, and, you know, of course, they're anxious to get through it, and I was like, no, 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 You just had a 27-year marriage dissolve. Mm-hmm. You are not ready to move on, and here's what you need to do. Mm. You need to face it 
whatever that fear is, whatever the anxiety, the what ifs, the worst case scenarios, all let it all play out. It will be the most excruciating thing you've ever done. Mm-hmm. It's like hugging a porcupine. Mm-hmm. You've got to get it. You've got to take the and it, when you can't take it anymore, give yourself a little bit of grace, give yourself a break. But you continually face that particular pain or whatever it is. If you anesthetize it, if you avoid it, it will not go away. You have to work through it. So many people would rather a quick fix. Mm -hmm. I don't wanna stay broken. Mm -hmm. If I have an area where I'm struggling, I wanna get outside input, what the heck is wrong with me? And why do I keep doing this? Mm -hmm. And give me some insight. Or we are blessed. I mean, you can go on YouTube and put any subject in there at all and find. And now with AI, you can see what's Exactly. You can just think it, I guess. And, Uh you know, it's going to pop up. Right. But we have access to so much information to fix ourselves. Mm -hmm. But the commitment is more, I want to look good, not be good. I want to look a certain way. Absolutely. I don't want to have the character, the integrity. And I'm assuming this is all wood. But if you drill through this, this is all wood. It's not just a, a laminate top. Right. I want integrity. What am I on the top? What am I on the bottom? Mm-hmm. Either way, I'm going through. Mm-hmm. That requires so much honesty, though, and that honesty is painful, and people avoid pain. They just avoid pain. And and I get it. We all do. But at the same time, it's like you, you're expecting too much of yourself to go through life and have, have successful moments all the time if you really are not in tune with your personal philosophy you're expecting almost the impossible let me ask you this so society in general we talk a lot on this podcast about critical thinking and i don't really mean critical in terms of the um the science of mathematics and so forth but just that next level we're so guttural like mm-hmm. we see something oh i hate that or oh i love that do you i mean like did you really look at it its entirety did you take a couple of breaths did you look back? Did you contemplate even for a minute before you decided right away that you knew what you judged that to be? We just do it. We're just a, we just don't spend time in that next level thinking. And you do have to look a little deeper. I, you know, I'm one of these people that will, I'm always going to look behind the veil. I don't always see it behind the veil, but. You know, you have that person, clients, disgruntled, whatever, they're chewing your, and my team will come back, you know, their eyes are like, this. oh, he's very upset, and I'll pick up the phone, what's up? You know, I'm going to dive right in, Mm -hmm. allow him to vent, Mm -hmm. because most of the time when we're seeing those types of things, that's not the real reason. Right. They don't feel heard, they don't feel seen, they're nervous, they're upset, they're whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's the same when we're looking at a situation, when we go on the guttural, and we say, oh, I want to judge that for what it is. It usually isn't. Right. And I don't know if it was Toyota. I'm probably wrong on this. But Toyota had philosophy. They called it the debrief. And they would ask five whys. Well, the engine failed. Why? Well, because this connector wasn't right. Why? Like, the, you get to five. You get too close the to core. the real reason. Right on. You ask one reason. Well, the engine failed. Well, we got to try again. No, no, no. That's not where we stop. You have to ask more. You have to dig deeper. Um, You know, and we were right before that talking about pain, and I think that's, we all want to avoid pain. Nobody likes pain. Um, But you go to the gym, 
because you want to get strong, but you don't get strong. You know, you're not strengthened by looking at the weights. You're strengthened Mm -hmm. by using the weights and breaking down the muscle. And when you're dealing with any type of pain or you're dealing with whatever, it creates this core. And you said it. You have a state. I feel like I have a steel core. I'm Mm -hmm. not saying I can't be shaken, but I've had guns in my chest. I'm like, I've had so much in my life. Um, my daughter, she wouldn't even, you know, she would admit to it today, multiple rehabs, time in jail. And, you know, I was picking up the phone. Hey, you know, is this Jennifer's mom? Yep. We have her and I would say dead or alive. Mm-hmm. Tell me right now. You live like that for a decade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You either cauterize yourself or you find something that's even better. Yeah. I'm not steel. As a matter of fact, I'm probably so compassionate, but I'm immovable. So I take this approach of whatever's coming, it may not feel good. But I'm going to love that person because there's a pain there that's causing them to behave this way or be that way. Right. Um, because I've been there. You know, I've been that one. Uh, so it's just, you're right. It's the deeper level. And how do we get our kids to even think that that's worth pursuing? Yeah, yeah. You want them to think, that's what I want. And I have people say to me, you know, you're different. Why are you different? What's unique about you? And that's really what it is. Because I've been so screwed up, made so many mistakes, I've had to fix myself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You start looking Mm -hmm. for answers. Like, you know, I'm the one on YouTube going, why do I do this? Or why do they do this? (laughs) I'm like, I should be a psychologist, psychiatrist, whatever. I mean, you know, I'm curious. Yeah. But it's not curious so that I can just, you know, put another layer of makeup on it. It's like, I'm curious because I want to fix the damn thing. (laughs) I want to be better. Right. And that comes from within. That's a that that drive, you know, and I'm not really convinced that you can teach that. I think you, we can expose young folks maybe to to situations where they could see value in becoming driven, maybe. But I don't know if you can teach that. You think but the reward of kind of maybe conquering something. I'll give you an example. Okay. This was oh, goodness. How old is my son? He's 30. He was two years old, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I rolled a car, end over end, hydroplane. There was no drinking involved. It was just one of those things on the turnpike, Pennsylvania. Um, and I remember being in traffic. There were two trucks, semis coming up the hill, and I'm right out of Breezewood, and I'm staring them down. I'm going, I'm going to die. Matter of fact, when I saw the pavement, I thought, this is it. I'm not going to make it. Wow. And from that moment for the next year, massive panic attacks. I could not function. I would be standing in a mall and literally shut down. And I couldn't, I was frozen. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I cannot live this way. I have kids. They have to have a mom. I cannot live this way. And I was kicking and screaming at the time. My husband said, you need to get yourself to a doctor. And I went on Paxil, I think, mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. Went on it for like six months. And it broke whatever it was I was dealing with. And I was so grateful. I got to go off of it. Mm-hmm. Never had to be on it again. Mm-hmm. But that little break in my life, but that was where I was committed because I was not going to stay in that and create that well, as being my problem. identity. Yeah. 
you know, which takes humility. I hated it. I hate medication it, to this day. I refuse to take yeah, I'm medication. Not I'm like, I, I don't I'm, like I'm hoping I never go on a life-sustaining medication because I won't last. I can't, I can't even remember to take a vitamin. You know? But it's humility, <laughs> though. Yeah, and, and that's another thing that I think is lacking, which it all kind of ties together. But if you don't, if you're... If you're not willing to admit that you don't know everything or that someone may have a better solution or a better idea, if you're not amendable, if you're not porous enough to realize, hey, the solution may be something that I either don't agree with or don't understand. I haven't been shown it yet. If you're not humble enough to do that, and I think there's a lot of folks walking around society that just don't want to be bothered with believing that they can do something when they dismiss themselves that they can't, or that there's a better way to do things, you know? And, and it's just, I, I, and I think the web has made us, made us less humble. Ugh. I think, I'm we're not sure. Proud. I mean, we're all proud. I'm, you know, we love it. We love the attention. We love the accolades. We love the compliments. We do. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's life. Um, but I don't, you know, even in that, when I was working to do that, I don't know if it was so much humility as it was, I cared about my kids more than I cared what I would have to do. In other words, there was a greater cause and that kind of put me in a position That's humility, to say though. that was, you know, it wasn't about me. It wasn't about my pride. I hated taking that pill. 100%. And I, yeah. But I, I just think in general, we get, um, we get stuck on um, beliefs and we get married to them, and then even when we're shown that it might not be as you think, you're shown another way, or sh- maybe shown that we're wrong. Sometimes we die on that hill. We just won't admit that we're wrong, and we'll <laughs> die on that hill. But when we've already, we, we know we're full of bullshit. Yeah. But we still do it. <laughs> we're all guilty. I just don't know why that has that pride thing is so. It's so explosive in 2023 because I can tie it directly to, I can tie it directly to philosophy, maybe political philosophy, but you know, philosophy of life. Do you think that we feel like we have to have an opinion on everything? Oh yeah, absolutely. On everything. Yeah. And I love when people will say, well, have you seen this movie? And it's like a really well-known movie. And I'm like, no. And they're like horrified. I'm like, well. I just haven't seen it. I'm not going to lie to you about it. Exactly. <laughs> you know, there's or just this. judgment. You make, right. make instant judgment. That's either good or bad. Right. What if it just is? Like, you don't know anything about it? I don't care to know anything about it? And it's like, if if you ask me about country music, I couldn't tell you. It's not my wheelhouse. So It's not your thing. When I say I'm indifferent, doesn't mean I'm slagging it. I just don't want to muddy up the vernacular and the conversation with an opinion that's <laughs> stupid because I shouldn't give an opinion on that. Right. Right. But that... It's not how we're living today. We have to have an opinion. But there's a degree of confidence that allows you to say that. Because I think, you know, I'll be asked a question often about financial planning or something. I'm like, oh, I have no idea. Right. No idea whatsoever. But it's the smart It's the smart thing to do to admit and be honest about it, right? And then go find the answer for right. them. That's what an attorney does. Exactly. They don't know everything, but they know how to go get it. Right. We know right? where it is. We know where the answers are. I, I just don't <laughs> think we have to like have an opinion on everything. It can't be a healthy way to live. It can't be. No. No, and it fills your brain with too much stuff you don't even need to house. One of my best uh, mentors said, strengthen your strengths and hire your weaknesses. So to me, 
I'm going to take the things that I'm good at and just get better at them. That's good. I'm not going to. So what's the best parenting advice that you can give somebody? And also, what's the worst parenting advice you were ever given? Mm. (laughs) That's what we do here. Right. (laughs) Wow. The best parenting advice uh, was probably what I feel like I got passed down from my mom, which is to value people. I loved uh, when my son was in high school and he had a transfer sophomore year of high school because we were from Chicago at that time moved back here and okay it was rough I mean nobody wants to transfer their oh, right sophomore on. year and yeah. you know yeah he got involved with a football team and some sports and what I loved is you know he would come home and you know his his smattering of friends couldn't have been more diverse that's so good. that's healthy to me I love that those boys were in his wedding <laughs> Oh, right on. You know, at 30, just a few weeks ago. So to me, valuing people, and all of my kids do, they treat people with such respect and work ethic. So those are probably the two things. That's example. No one outworks outworks my kids. They work like their mom. And I'm so sorry, kids. I trained you that way. They are like, (laughs) they are just. Ain't no free rides around here. They are ballers, man. Those kids work hard. Worst parenting advice you ever got. And I'm not saying it came from any family member. It could be from anyone, anywhere. parenting advice. Let them make. Worst parenting (laughs) advice. Let me see. Probably um, be their friend. That is the worst parenting advice. Mm. My kids were not I see my friends. a friend. lot of that going on. And I remember my oldest daughter complaining about it, but just please, you could, you know, so and so take, she goes and gets her nails done with her mom. I'm like, mm, I'm your mother. <laughs> now my kids are 38, 34, 30, and 28. So now they're my friends. But yeah, of course they, they weren't. Of course. Yeah. So kids are not your friends, you are their parent. What's the biggest surprise you've learned from managing people? Lack of integrity. What do you mean? People always say they don't see, people don't see you the way you are. They see you the way they are. Ooh, that's I good. Am, wait, wait, back up. That's good. Wait, people, people don't, don't see, see you, you the way you are. They see you the way they are. Okay, so they're lenses are clouded right with their own experiences which can be good or bad i tend to be probably excruciatingly too open and honest okay but then i expect that of others and when i find out somebody's deceived me that's almost the death to our relationship it's hard to come back from that for me Mm. you know cheat on me Mm -hmm. (laughs) but tell me you cheat on me and i find out we're done Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and again, you know, if they're often what I would get is you're cheating on me. That was some of the, and I was like, huh, not. And then you find out that's what they're doing. So people see you the way they, they would behave or the way they are, not the way you are. So it sounds like there's a high requirement of loyalty that you demand, but in circumstances where people have a different value system for their loyalty, that's where there was trouble. It's very difficult for right. me for people who lack integrity. Yeah. People who subvert, 
people mm-hmm. who go behind your back. Like, just man up. Mm-hmm. I'm 5'2". What am I going to do to you? Fire you. I don't know. <laughs> I've done it. <laughs> you little folks or something. I don't trust but, any little people. They probably beat me up. Honesty so. to me is that is the core of our relationship. And yeah. I would rather you walk in my office and say, I screwed this up. Yeah. And I've had to deal with it. We all have. Mm-hmm. I've screwed this up. And I'm like, mm, I've made more mistakes than anyone here. So let's talk about it. How do you maneuver your social media life? Include your business uh, life in that too, because you obviously we all have our social media accounts like mine. I'm guessing yours is blended into one, but you have elements within there that are business related, some are personal. How do you blend all of that and still maintain an understanding that this is what's real? Is it ever a struggle, or do you? Does it come rather easy for you? Ah, uh, there's times I go, I put this post up, you know, and it's just some vapid, stupid. Just felt like I had to post some content, and I've gone some months with being pretty quiet. People are like, are you okay? I'm like, I got nothing to share. Yeah, that's so weird that we value <sighs> our perception of others based upon how active they are on social media. It's backwards. It's so usually backwards. you wouldn't see like if you didn't see your friend for like four months, you know, or three or, or two weeks, you'll know, see your buddy, you think something's wrong, right? Exactly. Because you're valuing that, or you're basing that on reality. Right. But now it's like a visual, spontaneous right. if you've got screen a, a little card group or something, you're getting together, you do poker on Friday night, and that person just isn't there for three weeks, you're calling them. Yeah. It's like, what's going on? You're not checking their social media. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But to me, you know, what I want people to know is, I am consciously aware of some of my flaws, but I also pay people top dollar to tell me what I'm not seeing because I want to fix it. Right. I want to be better for me. I want to be better for the people in my life. I want to bring value. The best thing in life is to bring value to somebody mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. It isn't to stack up dollars. It isn't to buy a new car. I'm driving a six-year-old car. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it isn't that. It is providing value when you can say, and I'm not going to cry. <laughs> But I have a friend, and I didn't know him that well, but this is, you know, unfortunately, the guy whose marriage is falling apart. Right. Noticed a couple of off posts. Reached out, said, what's going on? And for probably three weeks, daily communication, Mm -hmm. encouragement, and I mean, he is like, I don't know where I would have been without you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's not to boast. That's to say... Just be aware. Yeah. Now, again, I wasn't in, you know, a relationship. But since then, we've seen each other 10 times. Yeah. Why? Because now we're connected. Yeah. So it isn't just going to be this, and it isn't just going to be social media. Mm -hmm. Um, Very interesting, though. It's a balance, though, right? It is, is but that's the reward. That's where I lay my head on the pillow at night and go, yeah, I didn't hit all my, you know, goals today or didn't check off my whole list, mm-hmm. but I made a difference to somebody who's going to lay their head in the pillow and feel valuable tonight. That's everything. So admittedly you do a lot of networking for your business and it's just your your makeup as a human, you're just a very engaging person. You enjoy it. You enjoy the company of others. I want to talk to you about networking though. Have you ever scratch that? Have or do you have mechanisms in the way you operate where you you are able to sense when the networking is too much or too little or this is real, but 
this is not, and I don't want to be a part of that. Like, how do you maneuver all of that? Because, like, it's interesting to me because I don't do a lot of networking. The older I get, I think my circle continues to get, but I'm very outward about my career. I like what I do, but I'm very selective in where I'm spending my time. I'm, I'm curious, someone is as busy as you are, how do you, I don't know how to put this, like how do you, like what are tells for you that that's not a person I want to be around on a continual basis or that that perceived uh, persona of that person is not real? Like how do you, or do you just assume everything's effed up and you just take the good with the bad and <laughs> I know these four are great, but these three are fake, but I'll have to deal with them all because that's just who I am. Is any of this making sense? I'm just, bla- I'm just blathering no, on no, here. No. But I'm just like, it's an uncomfortable conversation to have and I'm not against networking at all. And at all, but I wonder because some of you folks do a lot of it. Like, there's got to be either filters up or right. How do you maneuver that? It's funny because I think even I've modified to some degree. Um, I remember, and it probably was about ten years ago because I'm headed in my tenure in business. But here I was, um, just whole devastating chain of events. I was a quarter of a million dollars in debt to the IRS. Not where you want to be. Ouch. Divorced. Two kids in college. Had a mortgage. Nothing. Literally nothing. Um, Starting my business. And I showed up at an event and I had someone with me and they said, so what do we do here? And I was like, I'm going to meet everyone in this room. And they looked at me just shocked. I said, watch me. How about that? And I would just walk into a circle. Hey, Mark, real estate, commercial or personal? Interesting. Literally, I would just start asking questions because they had a name tag on and what they did. Right, right, right. Now, I was probably a little desperate in those days, (laughs) but it gave me a lot of exposure. Sure. Um, I think humor is always good. You know, not fake humor, but just something funny. You Mm -hmm. know, it's like... You know, I do insurance. Isn't that the best job in the world? I mean, come on. Everyone grows up wanting to be insurance. You know, so I just play with it. Um, But again, those five questions, I always wanted to have five questions in and find out. And usually within a couple of questions, you're going to know. Is this a stooge or is this somebody? I never take business cards. People are like, what? That's interesting. That's interesting. I collect them. I collect them and I have a pen in my purse. And if I want to talk to you. I'm going to make a little note. Call Eric McKenna. He seems interesting. (laughs) I like that. I like that. So I control the future Mm -hmm. conversation. Interesting. I don't give somebody my card so they can throw it in the trash. That's a good system. I like that. I like Um, that. But if I find somebody who says, hey, you know, I'm whatever. And it may be, and I think our friend, uh, mutual friend Mandy is phenomenal at this. I'm a matchmaker. Mm -hmm. Oh, you do this. You should meet X. I love matchmaking. Yeah. Because you might need, you know, a supplier for your Oh yeah. Whatever. For sure. For sure. Those for are things sure. I watch for. So I'm thinking all of my friends in my head, I'm thinking, you know, not just for me, but and then I'm also thinking for them. They're like, Oh well, we need a plumber. I'm like, I know a guy. Right. And right, you know, right, you can right. ask well, that's me that's the way business should be done. I know a guy. And that's what, you know, but I think it provides value because, again. And that's an old school way of doing a business is. before the web. That, that I mean, is. That's, that's a more, that goes back decades, right? I mean, that's a, that's what original networking and, and mixers were. 
but you know. once in a while you get there and it's you know everybody's in a little cluster and I'm like I'll look at the girls and I'm like we got to break this up <laughs> we're gonna go create some chaos <laughs> I walk right into that you know circle of suits I know they're all like poised and they got their shoes shined and I'm gonna ruin that for them I'm gonna just walk right in the middle of it and insert myself <laughs> But it's the shock value and it's the human part. Yeah. It's the frailty. It's the vulnerability to do that. People uh-huh. are terrified to do that. Why? What are they going to say? I don't like you? We're at a networking yeah. event. Most people won't do it, though. Right. It's interesting. It's, it's interesting. And I, I I think I I was very comfortable with it in a different life. You know, as I've gotten a little older, my, you know, I've gotten a little bit more um, routine-based, probably not as comfortable as I used to be doing it. But I definitely have seen the value. I just also feel like my bullshit detector was not that great you know i, mean, I used to pride myself oh, i would know if someone's pulling the wool over my eyes and it happens to you a few times you're like whoa man, i didn't see that coming yeah but you have to take the good with the bad right i mean you have to just you eventually realize you're going to take some bad but you're doing this you're you're doing like this conversation thing so you're you're doing a different format maybe of what i feel like is connecting people because mm-hmm. anybody anywhere around the world can watch this yeah and there's a connectivity can, to it there's for a sure. connectivity and yeah. then you only have so much capital you know there's mm-hmm. there's that part of it too mm-hmm. so Make i'm somewhat protective let's go to jesus he's the ultimate mm-hmm. right so jesus had the 5000 mm-hmm. jesus had the 12 mm-hmm. and then jesus had the three right 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 like those people right. that are close to me they get access to my life anytime any day they're the people who are most closely aligned with my values right but i'm gonna have the 12 i'm gonna have the 5,000 mm-hmm. because everyone can contribute something or be a, a player in your life for but sure you have to guard your human capital whether it's your energy your time it's your resources it's a good way of putting it too that's a very good way of putting it and and maybe i think most people get that but i don't think it's often articulated as well as what you just said you know i think that they know what human capital is and they need they know they need to guard it but again i don't think people think about that stuff you know to deeply think about where am i spending my time is this contributing value to my life you know these are honest assessments and you know sometimes it's just hey i'm going to have beers and whoever's around me is around me it's a party well okay that might work for that moment, but when that becomes like the the norm, and you're surrounding yourself with people that are not bringing selfishly bringing value to your life, and you're probably not bringing any value to theirs either because they don't want any. Right. Right. So. But you can break through that. I'll give you an example. We went. Uh, can't even remember what the occasion was. I was just celebrating. My daughters and I went out dancing. My daughters are pretty girls. You know, they're dressed to the nines. We're having a ball. We're out there dancing and terrible DJ, by the way. I don't, <laughs> I would never mention his name. He was awful. We're like, what is he doing? <laughs> he couldn't even play a decent dance song, but we're out there. And some guy comes wandering around trying to, you know, get a little flirty with the girls. Well, they were all taken. They weren't there to meet guys. Right. And the girls that were with the guys clearly having a reaction. Mm-hmm. Well, my girls are very astute. They're smart girls and they're attentive girls. They went right to the bar, bought a round of shots, took it over to the girls and said, we don't want your men. Those girls were our best friends all night. That's a helpful, that's a move right there. That's a move. 
That's a move. So that's a move. You know, it's <laughs> that's a move. I like that. That's actually a really so good move. So even in something that was just kind of a party night, we're gonna make purpose and we're gonna acknowledge people in their scenarios because they, you know. And then some somebody, I don't know what she was, some little older lady. She's like, "Well, who are you?" And we're like, "We're nobody. We're just." <laughs> but I think she thought we were somebody because we were all dressed and whatever. But yeah, it's uh, but at least that is like real, right? I mean, that's that's old school interaction, right? You know, don't go out there and you know pose and be all like I'm this and yeah, I can get your man. But come on, stop it. Just uh-huh. don't. There's no need for that. We were out to have fun. We're out to dance, and we don't want your men. <laughs> we don't want your men. <laughs> we're gonna shut them down. <laughs> I like that. That's actually, that's good. That's a good one. What's your biggest accomplishment? For me, um, absolutely, I think my kids. Okay. They're great human beings. Um, I really feel like I've contributed to society with them. Good for you. Good for you. That's, That's a powerful statement. I would think most parents would hope to feel that way, and most probably do, but a lot of them cannot articulate that. You know, I'm very blessed. There were not always great years, uh-huh. like any parent. We went through some yeah, stuff. Life. Did I mention the episode of Cops? Because we were living it for some time. <laughs> there were some things, um, but I can't tell you. You know, I have two daughters that are hairstylists. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many people come up to me. Your daughter. We have the deepest conversations. Uh-huh. You know, it isn't just fluff. Because these girls care about people. Yeah. It's like they're part-time psychologists or psychiatrists or whatever. Absolutely. Then my son, of course, he's drumming. And I go to meet the artist he's playing for and step up. And he's like, hey, this is my mom. He's like, you're Neil's mom. We love Neil. Oh, my gosh. He's so good. He's so prepared. He's such a joy. He's like, and he's just going on. And like as a mom, you're just like. Uh-huh. That drumming drove me crazy, but I'm glad uh-huh. it paid off. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, and then my youngest daughter is kind of like, you know, all of the girls her age are, you know, many of them are still just spinning out of control at 28. And she's always had her head on really straight. And she's their fail, you know. So it's like, I, I'm screwed up. Can we talk? Can I come over? Can I be here? Mm-hmm. At, you know, mm-hmm. and my daughter's that girl. She's the solid one. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what you want. Oh, you raised them right. None of them are making millions of dollars. It's not about the money. Yeah, they well, are great. When did that become people. the gauge? It's right? not. It's not the gauge. I got. I don't have a doctor or a lawyer. It's not the gauge. Sorry, Rocco. I know you're Rocco Coza. <laughs> He's my attorney too. <laughs> he that is. might be. That might be the new. That might be the new line for the show. He just, Rocco, he's my attorney too. He is. <laughs> Actually, he's, he is. Yeah. He has uh, provided all my business uh, documents and kept me up to speed. But oh, yeah. Last question. If you were giving somebody some advice on how to get focused or become a focused person, let's just say they were really pretty out there and they need to focus, what would be the first thing you would tell them to incorporate in their lives? You got to shut out the noise. And then you got to do the what if game. And I hate the what if game. What do you mean? What if I do this and it fails? What if my husband leaves me? What if my kids go on drugs? Play the what if game. Go all the way to the end. Worst case scenario. Or best case scenario. And if you don't sit at least once in your life and take out a legal rule pad with no distractions 
and write every crazy thing you'd ever want to do. Mm-hmm. I did this in 1990. I stuffed that yellow paper, there was a couple of them, in a drawer, underwear drawer, sorry. That's where it was. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Apparently I thought no one would look in there. But <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. That's great. And I had listed some crazy stuff. Uh-huh. Pulled it out. And every single thing on that list I had accomplished. I wanted to go to Italy. I had gone to Italy. I wanted to have a house. I had a house. Like, it was just stuff at the time when I wrote it. Outrageously impossible. That's powerful. So, play the what-if game. Mm-hmm. Shut out everything. Sit and sit with your own thoughts. That is the hardest thing to do. Because we want to pick up the phone. We want to listen to a piece of music. We want to watch TV. And then get that list out. So, you want to do the bad you want to do the quiet and you want to do the good. It's pretty heady advice. I will share with you that I did that in 1990. I started journaling and that has been the single best thing I've ever done in my life besides my kid, my wife and my children. But in terms of um, a skill set, if you call that a skill, but uh, that re- daily reflection is life changing in so many ways but it's hard to get people to start that because they said oh yeah I should should start journaling I should start writing goals I should start reflecting once in a while yeah but please don't I don't know what it is about that but that's a it's almost like like going to the dentist they'd rather go to the (laughs) dentist than sit and write their own thoughts down on paper like really it's not that hard so good though man I don't know why people won't do it well, 1990 I know it, was my year too. To that start was your that. year. Uh-huh. Well, I know I sent it in a text, but I think you're brilliant. Not only with I'm not brilliant. Your, it's no. very kind of you to say that, but I don't think with I'm brilliant. With your thoughts, the way you're engaging, the things that you're trying to do, I think a lot for what it's worth. I, th- I think I'm an average. Uh, I was a very average intellectually uh, non-gifted student, <laughs> but I think a lot, and I think that I think that thinking can overcome other ineptitudes with anyone. I think if you think a lot and reflect, providing you don't go crazy, you, you know, it, it, you can you can come up with some really good stuff. I think, I believe that. You're doing it. Yeah, well, thank you for doing this. Thank this, you this for crazy having podcast, me on man. the Eric McKenna Project. Yeah. I am honored. Ah, well, I'm humbled that you did it, and uh, hopefully this won't be the last time. I love it. Yeah, we'll do it again. Maybe one-on-one again, and definitely some panel shows if you're game. I would love that. Interaction. Thank you, my friend. And how can they reach you? They can reach me, uh, actually. There's a million ways. You can't find <laughs> your own. You're not looking very hard. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I'm everywhere, all social media. Um, my uh, email's lynn at bridgeinsgroup.com. Mm-hmm. Office number 724-229-2987. And can't find her on social media you're not looking and is, is it bridge insurance group, group yeah bridge com? insurance group well it's bridge ins group.com we okay. were trying to not that's all right <laughs> bridge insurance group but you'll find it yeah just google it is yeah. it google or, or alta vista wherever you use you yahoo or yahoo web crawler yeah. we're dating ourselves now for sure we are aol <laughs> well thank you my friend we'll do this again thank you eric all right we're out